0: Welcome back to the Pup, Pup, and Away podcast. My name is Stephanie Garza. I am a certified dog trainer and canine behaviorist in San Antonio, Texas, and owner of Pup, Pup, and Away, where we specialize in pet care with the behavioral edge. I apologize that this episode is coming uh, to you guys late this week. I almost thought about skipping the week, but I thought, nah, I might as well just do it. Um, Things have been getting a little bit busy at the facility. So finding a nice quiet time to record the podcast has definitely been a little bit of a challenge so um, but I have been meeting a lot of you guys um, you know as new clients come in and they say I've been listening to your podcast you guys have no idea how much that means to me and how much that positively reinforces me to keep making more content for you guys writing out my outlines and sitting down and recording this for you guys um, it's a lot of fun for me but honestly i <laughs> I must have been a dog in my past life who also went through positive reinforcement training because I am just definitely driven by positive reinforcement for sure. Um, So hearing a lot of you guys come to me and saying how much you guys are enjoying the episodes that I'm bringing you guys and how much you guys are learning from everything definitely keeps me going and I just want to say thank you for all the kind love and uh, it really just definitely makes my day. This week's episode is a topic uh, that's by request by listener Leslie and her dog Archie. Um, So hello, Leslie and Archie. Um, And it's going to be about car reactivity. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about leash reactivity. So it's kind of along the same thing. So a lot of the things in this episode will be pretty similar to some topics that we covered in that episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, um, please go and listen to that. I believe it aired on January 13th of 2022. Um, But this is going to get, today's episode is going to get you guys a little bit more, um, some activities to do specifically if you're having some reactive moments, um, in the car. So how do we manage those? How do we work and train through them? Because that one's kind of a tough one, right? You're driving and you can't be driving and training at the same time. Um, that could definitely be dangerous. So giving you guys a couple of tips. So let's go ahead and get to it. So, if your dog is reactive on leash, and once again, let's kind of just define what reactive reactivity looks like. And that's usually uh, barking, lunging. Um, if we're seeing leash reactivity, there might be some pulling. Um, if you're seeing this at, like in the car, maybe your dog's jumping at the window, pawing at the window, scratching at the window, uh, barking through the window. Um, so, if they're reactive on leash, that they're most likely also going to be reactive. At like windows at home. So, if you have like front facing windows and you have a busy neighborhood and people are walking by, um, or through car windows. And it's really important that we take the time to implement management techniques and training in all the different scenarios because even though the context is so different versus, you know, being in the car versus being at home in the front window versus being on leash on a walk or something like that, um, the behavior is most likely essentially the same because. There is a barrier of some sort. Uh, when it's window barrier, it's a it's a barrier in the front. If it's um unleashed, that barrier is actually like attached to them. So even though they can't get through something, that barrier is still holding them back or holding them in place from something. Um so a lot of the same emotions are still being experienced through those scenarios and why we're getting that manifestation of the behaviors. Um, so let's talk about some management techniques and the training process and what all of that looks like. First up, management if you haven't guessed already it's definitely a theme that we talk about with any behavior modification and especially in past episodes we talk about it a lot in a nutshell management is decreasing and hopefully completely eliminating your dog's ability to practice the undesired behavior when you're not actively training any opportunity that your dog has to practice the inappropriate behavior that you're trying to extinguish makes the behavior a little bit more stable and thus makes it harder for us to train through it so it's really important that we take the time to really think about and plan out our management techniques so we can continuously make progress forward in the training scenario and not accidentally take baby steps backwards every time your dog has a chance to practice the behavior because um reactivity in the car is usually a visualization issue. I want you guys to think about and find a way to decrease your dog's ability to see out through the window. Can you contain your dog in a crate with a blanket over it, right? Um, If not, uh, you can look into getting a calming cap, which is essentially a blindfold for your dog. So if you just go to Google or Chewy and just type in calming cap. um, It also is kind of very similar, oddly, to the like the little blindfold goggles that people put on like birds of prey whenever they're training them they're doing something like that and they take off the blindfold and then the the eagle like soars off into the air and does you know hunts for the prey or whatever it is I forgot what exactly that sport is called um but it's just kind of like a goggles that your dog can't see through kind of funny enough, but just essentially a blindfold for your dog. Um, you can try using wax paper, um, or those toddler sunshades to reduce the visualization as well. Um, and these management techniques should be in place anytime that you are driving, but kind of not actively be training. Um, also consider, is it super important for you to actually get your dog into the car and take them somewhere? Um, if you are willing to really work through the, the training things that I'm going to tell you guys now, now when you do that a little bit a little bit and just chip away at the training process maybe it's worth you know a month or so where your dog does not go for the joy rides they don't go with you to drop off the kids at school they don't go with you to run to the pharmacy or anything like that because remember anytime that your dog is practicing this activity it is going to be harder for us to extinguish it um now of course calming aids are going to be a a really big thing once again there's a whole episode on calming aids and definitely encourage you guys to look through that Um, but i usually like to use situational supplements such as the rescue remedy um, and giving it to your dog about 15 minutes before you're hopping into the car I also really love essential oils um, because you can put this on your dog's collar. Um, you can put it on a blanket or a seat cover that your dog's sitting on. Um, and also, pheromone sprays are really great. Uh, the two that I normally like is one by Adaptil, A D A P T I L, Adaptil, Adaptil. Um, and the other one is called Pet Remedy, which is supposed to be a little bit more natural. Um, they're both obviously natural; they're not pharmaceuticals, but Um, I think the, the pet remedy has a little bit less chemicals in it perhaps. Um, and so making sure that we are decreasing the visualization for your dog and upping any sort of calming aids that we can are definitely going to be really important. Another great management tool is long lasting, high value chews. These are going to be really good babysitters and distractors for your dogs, especially when you're going to be having those trips that are more uh, like less highways. So you're going to be doing more stopping at intersections where there might be more pedestrian traffic to trigger your dog. Um, so I'm talking about things like your bully sticks, your no hide raw hides, your uh, stuffed and frozen Kongs, your pig ears, different things like that. When, if your dog is calm enough to, focus on chewing well now they're you know usually laying down chewing on stuff so their center they can't even they're not even looking out the window and noticing the things to be barking at and being reactive to so distracting your dog is definitely something that you might want to consider So now let's talk about the training process. Um, And I want you guys to kind of think about why, like what is your dog's baseline in the car? Is your dog hypervigilant and can't relax in the car even though there's no um triggers around are they already so amped up and so excited um are they already so nervous in anticipation of where you might going what is their mental state like are they already on the brink of that threshold are they just about to the smallest thing happens and they're already popping off into reactivity um if this is the case if your dog can't even get into the car and be calm I want you guys to consider working through some calming exercises. Um, now, to be clear, you can't truly train your dog to be calm. You can only truly train your dog to display calm behaviors. So like sit stays and down stays and things like that. Sure, your dog may be doing physically what you want them to do, but what is actually going on internally, right? Are they thinking, oh my God, I can't wait till you release me and I get to go outside and I get to do this and then I get to do that. I get to stay home. Like the The things that are going on in their brain might be way different than what you're actually physically seeing. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. But um, this exercise that I'm about to give you guys um, is something that I call condition relaxation. And it's something that I like to do in many different settings, especially in places where your dogs may already be experiencing uh, a heightened state of um, just mental alertness, I guess. Uh, and when you first start this exercise, you might wanna do it in the house and zero distraction and kind of work your way up the, the areas of distraction, um, until the point where you are working in the car. Um, but to set up this exercise, you're always going to practice this, but there's no triggers around. I want you to have some of your pups kibble or their training treats handy, uh, get yourself and your dog situated in your usual position. So maybe you in the, uh, driver's seat and your dog, wherever they typically go, go ahead and have the car on with the ac or the heat on or whatever it is with music playing um to kind of just set the scene set the tone of what's normally going on set the context of what's usually going on um and anytime your dog displays any sort of quote-unquote calm behavior on their own, so you're not verbally cueing them to sit, to down, to leave it, to stop, to do anything. I want you to quietly and calmly give them a treat. Um, so basically, this teaches your dog to, one, make their own decisions, and then, two, to just find a moment of calmness. So if your dog goes from standing and looking out the window and then decides to remove their gaze from the outside, treat. If your dog decides to finally sit, treat if your dog decides to lay down, treat. You want to reward any decision to display calmer behavior and for staying calm as well. So like if your dog goes from a sit to a down, treat that. And then if they kind of just hang out in that down for a little while, treat that as well. So you're, you're rewarding for getting calmer and staying calm. Now, if your dog decides to go in the reverse direction, so if they go from the laying down position to a stand, or they go from uh, looking at you to looking out the window. I want you to ignore all of that, all of that behavior and wait for them to settle on their own. So this exercise teaches your dog that there's a value in being calm in the same environment that they usually tend to escalate. Once they're doing this consistently, I want you guys to start driving down the block and implementing the same process. So just going down your neighborhood, don't get on to any highways or anything like that. Now we're just adding in the movement of the car. Um, perhaps you're um, you know, obviously not as focused on your dog because now you're driving, um, so different things like that. But now we're trying to make it look and feel more like a realistic setting. Now that your dog is learning to be in a little bit of a better state of mind, and mind you, it might take a few times to do that. The first couple of times that you do this exercise, you might be looking for the smallest excuse of your dog looking calm. But the more that you do it and the more that your dog realizes, huh, it's when I just kind of chillax. It's when I lay down. It's when I decide to be boring and enjoy the boringness that that's when I get good treats and good rewards that you'll start to see them display those behaviors faster, um, sooner, and they'll start to like be in those moments a lot longer. So once you're kind of getting in the groove of that, your dog is consistently just having more of a state of (sighs) relaxation instead of what's over there, what's over there, what's over here. Um, Then I want you guys to go ahead and start working on the reactivity part. So for this, you're gonna grab some high value treats. And what I mean by high value treats is I want you guys to get creative. Cut up those hot dogs, cut up that cheese, um, boil that chicken, uh, cut up that turkey lunch meat, whatever it is, teeny, teeny, tiny pieces, but having a nice big reward history um, because you only have one way to really work on critical distance and that's actually going to be the placement of your car, not the placement of you and your dog. Um, So get your high value treats and I want you guys to have a parking lot in mind that is somewhat busy but doesn't have a a ton of traffic, like you don't want heavy traffic, you want okay, um, we're going to see, you know, three or four people while we sit here for this 15 minutes, but it shouldn't be back to back to back to back people walking in, people walking out. So don't do this at HEB or something like that. I want you to go park at like, um, I don't know, the bookstore down the street or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what's around you. You might have to do a little bit of investigation. Um, When I did this, I chose to do the parking lot at the gas station that's pretty close by me. And you're like, wait a minute, but gas stations are pretty crazy. I know. But we did this because um, I was able to park my car to where uh, my dog couldn't see the pumps. And we were, there was a big enough parking lot to where I can park far enough away to where we only saw the people that were walking into the convenience store. But, it, but another thing that you wanna keep in mind is how close you are. Um, so maybe a, a Walgreens or something like that. Um, if you live close by like a, a lesser known grocery store, like maybe a Fiesta or something, those might be, be good options. Um, and then also considering picking your parking spot where is it that you're going to place your car? Because the, your, where you place your car is where your critical distance is. So just to recap, critical distance is the distance in which your dog can see the trigger and not react versus, okay, now they're just two feet closer and now I'm reactive. So your critical distance is that safe zone that leads to the now I'm being reactive. So our our goal is to close up that critical distance just a bit. So you want to find a spot that gives your dog visibility of the people, the foot traffic, but it's not too close um, or someone might park next to you either. So make sure that even though you're doing this, you're kind of still watching to see, uh uh-oh, someone just pulled up next to me. If that's the case, turn on your car and move your vehicle because you don't want your, that's definitely the worst critical. there's, There's zero critical distance there if someone parks next to you and gets out of their vehicle. So you've identified your parking lot, you've identified your parking spot. Now what you're gonna do is you're just gonna hang back, you're in your driver's seat, you have your high value treats, and you're gonna watch your dog's gaze. Anytime you think your dog notices something, immediately, as soon as he looks, he locks eyes on that thing, that person, I want you to mark with your marker word. So um, in my examples, you'll hear me say yes and treat. Remember, yes is whatever your marker word is. Ding, snap, yahtzee, hooray, treat, cookie, bing, whatever it is that you're using. Um, So when they're looking, yes and treat. Right away, I like to put the treat um, on the seat, so we also get slightly distracted, which gives you a break in time before the next repetition. Timing is super important. If your dog looks and immediately barks, then you either one might not be quick enough or two you're too close and you need to park your car with a little bit more uh, distance. Doing this is our attempt to change that underlying condition emotional response and counter condition your dog to have more positive feelings to seeing people outside of the car. When your dog can consistently see triggers and are having successful opportunities to immediately reward without the barking, then you'll move on to the next step. Um, and there might be, because this is a heavily triggered behavior in a very context-specific situation, and one that you have probably accidentally set your dog up to react so many times, you might need to spend a little bit more time in this step. And it's really important that we're just taking our time to slow down, because this really teaches your dog, I see things, uh, I see the people, whatever it is that's passing by. And if your dog's having negative feelings, this helps to change those feelings to either more neutral, but hopefully more positive feelings. But two, we're also teaching your dog, if you see something, you don't bark, you get a treat. You see something, you don't bark, you get a treat. Really quickly. Um, And your timing has to be of the essence because if your dog, the longer that your dog stares at a trigger, the higher the probability it is that they're going to react, okay? So as soon as they look, yes, mark with whatever treat you have. Give them the treat but also put the treat on the seat leaving you available to prepare for the next rep and also kind of brings their head their gaze down so that way they can't be still looking out the window and barking at the same time because the biggest the trickiest thing with car reactivity versus leash reactivity is with leash reactivity our dogs are consistently moving so they're constantly doing something with whatever energy it is that they're feeling when you guys are in the car you do not have the option to do that Um, one of the reasons why i don't really work on a sit stay for reactive uh, lessons is because you're if you're putting your dog stationary in that position that's kind of the trouble zone Once again, the probability for your dog to react is higher. So typically we work on um, the next part that we'll talk about in just a second is a disengagement and continuing to walk. So your dog has something to do with that energy, but you lose the opportunity to do that when you're in the car because you're not walking. So that's why I really like to put the treat on the ground because it's really easy for your dog to be having a treat on their mouth, in their mouth, chewing it, still staring at the trigger as, rah, 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 as they're chewing on the treat. And while that's hilarious, it's not setting us up for the success that we need. Um, and once again, noticing that if you're consistently missing that beat, Maybe the parking lot that you're in has too much traffic. Maybe your dog still doesn't know how to kind of just relax just a little bit further. Maybe you forgot to administer your calming aids. Maybe you're too close to whatever, um, wherever the triggers are. There's a lot of different things that we can do to still water down and need to find a way to water down the uh, extent to which your dog is experiencing the trigger. The next step in the process is now working on the disengagement, just like the same way that we did in our leash reactivity episode. So now that your dog can see things and you've had a, a, a times, you're noticing that they're just less stressed when they see things. Maybe they're not as uh, alert. Maybe they don't give as much like st- Stiff, tense body language whenever they just see the trigger. Now we want to be working on the disengagement part. Um, So, once again, go and listen to that reactivity, uh, the least reactivity episode, because we talk about a few different things that we can do um, to mitigate and to help us through the the disengagement process. But usually, one of the first ones that I work on is a look at me or a name recognition. Um, One of my clients uses hey as their cue, which I really like because it's super easy to say. Um, But some sort of word or phrase that you say to one, encourage your dog to stop looking at the trigger and now look anywhere else. A lot of people, once again, get really caught up on my dog has to go from looking at the trigger to looking at me. Guess what? When you're driving, you're not going to be caring about that. You're going to be caring that your dog look at the trigger and then looked away from the trigger without barking. So typically what I'll do is even just some sort of fun noise is perfectly fine. So when they're looking at the trigger, say their name. Say, hey, look at me, watch me. Something like that, whatever word or sound that you have to say to get your dog's eyes peeled away from that trigger is what you're going to go for. The second that their eyes peel away from the trigger, once again, does not have to be at you. It could be out through the windshield. It could be out on the ground. It could be um, looking at the seat, whatever it is, marking and treating there once again. So now we're going from you look at the trigger, you don't bark, you look away from the trigger. That's good news. Um, so that's the disengagement process process. You'll start to find a couple two things that are typically going to that you're on the brink uh, the the correct process for success. One, you have less frequency. Two, even if your dog does bark, because guess what? You're going to get yourself into some pickles and you're going to accidentally, you know, decrease your critical distance too quickly. So when your dog does react or they do bark, that they redirect away from the bark a lot sooner because we spent some time in the engagement process. Them being, them being able to redirect from you was a little, is going to, redirect from the barking and giving their attention back to you, excuse me, um, works a lot easier because they understand that there's something else worth their while to have their attention, you and your motivator, you and your treat. Um, So usually we see less frequency of barking, but also even if they are still barking, you see redirection happen faster. The next step that we're going to uh, go through is now slowly starting to close up your critical distance. So now you're trying to get a little bit closer. You're, you're parking in a little bit closer to um, the entrance of the store or whatever it is that you're, you're working with. Um, Maybe you're also starting to work in places that are, uh, maybe they can see people a little bit more openly, like maybe like a park or something like that. Maybe you're parking closer to the entrance of the trailhead or whatever it is. But now we wanna start working on closing up that critical distance. Um, So then that way you can really prepare for, um, I know for me and in my current living situation, um, we do a lot of downtown stuff. Um, And so driving from downtown area or through downtown, Downtown area and to work there's one strip where there's just always a lot of walkers and people are are, you know walking to HB or walking to wherever their lunch destination is Um, and so for us that critical distance is really close because if I'm parked on the or on like at the stoplight on the right hand lane and people are walking on that sidewalk right there that's really short critical distance so being able to work through whatever it is that your critical distance might be comfortable for Now, one thing that I found successful with my guys, um, and one thing that I was able to implement, and I don't think everyone's going to be able to implement this because if you have a really big dog or something like that, it might not be the best option. Um, but first having some sort of safety mechanism, um, Using a seatbelt harness, my guys have one of those like bucket booster seats with a double-ended strap, so I attach one strap to the car seat itself, and then the other half uh, is attached to their harness. Having something to keep your dog a little bit more stable and still, because if your dog, once again, is running around all over the car and looking out this window and then looking out that window and barking through that one and then running to the other side of the car and barking through there, they're already like have less structure and already are still once again in that mental state. The other thing that I did, um, was because my dogs were safely contained and they didn't have the ability to move around everywhere is I moved my dogs up into the front passenger seat. This really gave me the opportunity, especially when you guys start utilizing these things on your, on your actual drive which is the next step, right? Is actually implementing the disengagement and all those different things like that um, on the drive is being able to still Train and deliver those rewards, but keeping you safe. Obviously, I can't have you turning your head around and treating your dog while you're, you know, traveling on the highway. Not that you're really going to be experienced. That was a bad example. You're not going to be experienced people walking past you on the highway, but you know what I mean. You're, you're driving. Um, so once I had a nice, safe, sound safety. Um, confinement for my dog I was able to move them up into the front and then that way I can also kind of see what they're looking at so um, this kind of uh, increased their visibility because now they can see out through the front window and the side window whereas if they're in the back they can pretty much only see out the side window but this also gave me the opportunity to if I saw something and now I can kind of start gauging to see if my dogs are seeing it this is where my cue is leave it. And I think I talked about that in the leash reactivity episode. Um, so when they see something, leave it. And then when they like disengage from looking at the trigger, I see them visually relax and I just toss a cookie in their car seat. Um, so for me, being able to move their placement in the car it's for, to still allow for me to reward safely, but also still keep them contained so that they're not trying to fight your way to be in your lap or anything like that was really important. So I know that that might not be something that all of you guys can consider doing, um, but it's definitely something that if you can implement, then I definitely would implement. The other option is, um, and this might not also be ideal for some of you guys, but if you have a partner or something like that, go for, your, go for training rides. Go, both of you guys get in the car where one of you is in the, you know, driving the car. The other one's in the front passenger seat. Your dog is still contained in the back. Whether or not you're moving your dog up to the front, your dog should still be safely confined with some sort of safety belt or something like that. Um, so then that way, now you have someone who's operating the car, and now you have someone that's actively training. Um, the hard part with this then is you know, context-wise, right? Once you lose the extra training partner and it's just the dog and the driver still having a chance to work through that, but at least you've gone through a few more steps to hopefully you can make that step a little bit more successfully. Other things to consider too is when you're doing these these things, um, try to have your dog maybe get a little bit of physical stimulation before you go out for the walk. I, I find that dogs are way less Triggered whenever they have a little bit more physical and mental stimulation to deplete some of that extra energy that they reserve for reactivity. Um, so making sure that your dog is well stimulated, well exercised is really important. Um, <clears throat> but also maybe still increasing a little bit of the calming, uh, calming remedies that you're giving whenever it's time for you and your dog to start getting on the road and uh, implementing those things with you as the driver and the trainer because we always want to keep safety in mind Um, especially with this training and driving can be like texting and driving so I, i encourage you guys to be very safe and very careful out there that's all guys those are my training tips for car reactivity Um, if you have something else that you've tried maybe you've tried a different calming remedy maybe you have a creative way to bring down that visual stimulation for your dog in the car by all means find us on social media please share that with us i'd love to hear anything um, that you guys have to share as well as always don't forget the fun doesn't have to stop here please find us on our social media we are on facebook instagram and tiktok uh, and our handle is at pup, pup and S A. Um, if you'd like to become a client, we're always taking new daycare clients, training clients and boarding clients. We would love to meet you and your canine sidekick. Uh, please rate, review and subscribe. Um, if you're enjoying this episode, please share it with your friend. Uh, we usually have our own post on our Instagram. Please share it from there. If you don't want to create your own post, Um, the number of episode listens is ticking up each week and that makes me very happy. Um, I also would love any of your feedback. So feel free to like rate and review on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, but also feel free to get in contact with us via Instagram give us your suggestions, give us your feedback, uh, let us know what topics you'd like to hear. And of course, if you're ever so inclined to really positively reinforce me, we also have a link in the show notes for some monetary donations, Uh, a little bit of something. Something is better than nothing and definitely helps to uh, motivate me to continue to work on this podcast for you guys. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic evening or day or whatever time you're listening to this too. And I can't wait to talk to you guys in our our next episode.